Welcome to episode 175 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. Nearly two and a half years ago, I launched my first book, Croissants Versus Bagels. At that point, I'd been speaking about inclusive and strategic networking for seven and a half years and had left my career just two and a half years earlier to pursue speaking as a business. I love speaking and whenever I get off stage, I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So it may seem somewhat odd that I didn't double my effort around booking speaking gigs once I had written a book. A book that is perfectly aligned with associations because of its focus on strategic, effective, and inclusive networking at conferences. Instead, I spent the next 18 months piloting and building a group coaching program that was a mix of content and masterminds. My focus, relationship-based business strategies. My ideal clients, entrepreneurial women in their late 40s to 60s. Once a four-person cohort was formed and we were underway, it was exhilarating to be supporting these entrepreneur women in this way. I've always enjoyed coaching, but group work was even more fun. Getting those highly curated four-person cohorts formed took a lot of time and energy, though, and my focus on the speaking side of my business faded. On the two-year anniversary of my book, I started to wonder if I'd made the right decision to pour so much energy into coaching. I knew it was important to have more revenue streams in my business and that I would become a better speaker if I had regular interactions with clients who shared their struggles. The reality was that the number of speaking engagements I'd booked in the previous year had fallen dramatically. The upside, my speaking fee had gone up considerably over the last few years, so I actually made more from speaking than the previous two years. At the same time that I began to recognize that running multiple small cohorts was not going to be manageable, I started getting more inquiries about one-on-one coaching. And then I was told about an opportunity to be a part-time in-house business coach for Miracy. You may know Danny and his company because of their signature course, Course Builders Laboratory. You may not know they have a high-end coaching program for entrepreneurs called ACES. I recently began my new role as an ACES coach, which paradoxically is giving me more time to focus on my new outbound speaker sales system with guidance from Sean Rhodes. If I hadn't pursued coaching as a major revenue stream for my business, I would never have been recommended for this amazing opportunity at Miracy. Your challenge for this week, if you're considering a new revenue stream for your business, go all in, don't just dabble. Even if it's not a raving success, the growth and learning you'll do will be transferable to other areas of your business. New opportunities may appear once prospects see you in this new light. Opportunities that would have remained hidden if you stayed safe and didn't challenge yourself. Try this and let me know how it goes. Now, onto this week's show. Today's guest is an award-winning journalist who's interviewed them all from Katie Lang, Jennifer Beals, Ruby Rose, to Martina Navratilova. With a career spanning over a decade in broadcast radio, she's been featured on two breakfast shows in Australia and is currently a host on three podcasts. Most recently, she launched The Ginny Show, Curry, Comedy, and Connectivity. It invites listeners to follow the hilarious journey of young Sri Lankan gay immigrant women growing up in Australia. 
She's the founder of a boutique podcast production company serving the vision of entrepreneurs, celebrities, and influential organizations around the world to help ensure voices are heard where they need to be. Please join me welcoming Ginny Saraswati. Robbie, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Super excited to be here. Ginny, thank you so much for joining me from your office in New York City. As you know, this is a podcast about um, building amazing, strong networks, and the context is leadership. So tell me, how do you define leadership, and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Wow, what a loaded question to start off with, um, Robbie. I think a leader's role is, there's two facets to leadership. One is to understand that you are responsible of where everything falls on you. You know, you're the end of the line, you're the bottom line when it comes to all the decisions, you're the last line of defense. So everything kind of falls with you when it comes to making all the decisions and everything, you know, you have some accountability to everything that you do in the organization. But also another key part of leadership is to know when to follow and trust. And that involves empowering your team with the resources, tools, uh, you know, mindsets, whatever they need to to lead in their own retrospect. Because I think we're all leaders. Um, there might be a CEO of a company or a leader of the company, but I think everyone in that organization is a leader in some way, shape and form. And how those leaders are empowered by their leader is how the success of the company is driven. So I think there's two key facets to leadership. One is to obviously the um, the self-discipline and the, also the accountability that leaders need to take that everything kind of falls on them. And the other part of it is the ability to follow, to have the humility to follow and humility to empower other team members and your team to really lift you up and create success together. And at what point, Ginny, did you realize you had those skills? Was there a, a point early on that someone recognized them in you? Like, when did you start to, like, show up in that way? I think it was actually, I was thinking about this the other day, Robbie, where I, in um, elementary school, primary school, as we call it in Australia, um, in my senior year of primary school, I was nominated as a school leader. And I'd never had a school uh, leadership position before. I never had a leadership position before, obviously, because one, I was 12. And secondly, you know, I never thought that this would be something that would be my jam because I was quite a shy kid. But um, I was actually nominated to be one of the school leaders, which is like one of the 12 school captains. And, um, you know, that came with a badge that I wore really proudly. But also, um, I didn't actually know what leadership meant at the time, obviously being 12. But what I was also called by my peers was bossy. So I guess... I guess I had tendencies to call the shots or to take initiative or to seem like I knew that I was doing and I thought everyone else should be copying me and doing what I can. Obviously, over time, my ego and my leadership skills have been refined to not be so bossy, but also to have the humility to know, okay, I actually work for my team. Even though they do technically, they're on my payroll or whatnot, I actually work for them. Um, and yes, they work for me too, but more so I work for them and I work for the successes that we create together. So that was my first inkling of how I knew I was a leader. And I think also down the track too, one of the things that fascinated me about just human behavior is just how we are, what creates success, what can help me create the, the successes that other people do. So I'm a 
believer in imitation is flattery. So I read lots of books about leadership and, you know, I, I follow the the habits and behaviors of other leaders and, you know, industry leaders of whatever they do to create the life that they have. So I think there's a huge component of learning, which comes with humility to being a leader, which I think isn't talked about enough. Mm, I think it's so true. I appreciate they keep underscoring that humility piece. And I want to just go back to this part where you're talking about how you were a shy kid, because it's hard to imagine the you today being called shy. So like <laughs> un- unpacking that, I know that there was a big, big shift in your life. I think you were in second grade. No, you were two years old, right? Two years old when you moved. Is that right? To Australia? Correct. Yeah. So that's a early, early, early memory. The fact that you have any do you remember that time? Like what a big, amazing, profound shift for a two-year-old. I have a two-year-old. I'm trying to imagine uprooting them and bringing them to another country, particularly because you didn't look like everybody else. I mean, there's, there's an element in which you sounded different, you look different. So what, what was that like? And, and what did that teach you that you think you brought with you to today? That's a great question, Robbie. When I moved from, Austra- uh, from Sri Lanka to Australia, obviously the environment the climate, the people, everything and everyone looked different. I'm like, we just left this tropical paradise of sand and palm trees and like a whole, and I, I use this term loosely, but it actually is a reality of Sri Lanka. This whole like team of people who took care of me. Like I had a, a nanny who would like feed me and would chase me around and make sure like I got all the nutrients and vitamins that I needed. We had, um, I'd also go bug him and pester him. So, you know, we left this tropical climate to this cold place in Australia called Melbourne, which is synonymous for their four seasons in one day. But um, when I moved there, I remember I got asked a lot, you know, why are you brown? And at the time, Robbie, Beyonce wasn't around, so I couldn't say I woke up like this. It just literally was, I am brown because I am brown. Like I didn't know how to answer them. But I think for me, um, you know, there was a lot of layers in that, in that there were so many things uh, presented to me. Like, this is how people look like, this is how people sound like you look a little bit different. And it kind of ignited, I guess, my process of who am I and how can I be true to myself in this environment where everyone and everything seems so different in so many layers. And I think for me, like I, I attribute that, I don't want to call it struggle because I look at it as a, the reason and a part of the opportunity as to where what, who I am today. I think that experience has allowed me to develop uh, the qualities that I do have to be a leader, but also I believe to be a decent human being. I think, you know, the qualities of acceptance, empathy, understanding, compassion, I don't think I would have developed them to the level that I have today had I not gone through what I did. So um, I hope that answers your question about yeah. you know, how it kind of felt. Absolutely. And to imagine that from two years old to 12 years old, that t- 10 years, that very you know, important moment of your life where you're growing tremendously and learning so much, you went from a shy kid who didn't fit in to being called upon to be one of 12 leaders for your class. So that, that's a pretty amazing short arc um, that you were, you know, to, to go from like, I don't fit in to like being seen as someone who's supposed to then tell others how to fit in. <laughs> um, that's that's pretty amazing, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> you're like, wow, I hadn't thought of it. <laughs> it's like, it's pretty cool. Um, so it's it's interesting because I moved to uh, Boston, Massachusetts, from New York, uh, from Long Island, New York, which is not as dramatic. Um, but I moved and I knew right. nobody, and like you know, landed, and like seven years later, I had the city uh, named a day after me. 
And it was sort of like the same, it was making me think of the same thing. It's like you make your mark on the world however you can at 12 years old. So, but <laughs> you, you have developed a whole um, career around journalism and, and spoken word and, you know, podcasts and communication. But a lot of the things that you're doing today weren't available even a decade really ago, were not very popularized at least. So at what point did you have your career? Like, where did you go from, from primary school? Like, did you go into a career consciously or did you sort of meander your way to where you are today? You know, it's interesting you you bring this up, Robbie, because, you know, I think a lot of my life has been a result of stumbling through. And by, by stumbling, I mean literally stumbling through to whatever I had stumbled through to. And when I, after I finished, you know, primary school and went into high school, I thought, okay, I wanted to be a doctor. Because I had this, one, it was a cultural influence because, you know, when you're Sri Lankan and you migrate to a Western country, you know, the, the options for jobs are doctor, lawyer or engineer. And I could not stand um, the conversations that I was hearing about engineering. So I'm like, that's not me. Uh, lawyers, I'm like, wow, this looks like a lot of books to read. Don't think that's me either. You know, there was an ability there, a service-based ability there for a doctor to help people, you know, to cure people, to help them feel at ease. So I love that aspect of, you know, being a doctor. So I went into high school thinking, yes, I want to be a doctor. I want to help people. And I was telling my mama, I want to be a doctor until I got to ninth grade where I'm like, I hate math. I cannot do math. You know, if you look at the Sri Lankan DNA, Robbie, and I, and I explain this to people, you know, my mother was a bank manager. My sister is a bank manager and she works finance. I think the math gene when it came to my DNA was like, nah, let's just give her the gay gene. She's not getting the math gene. It just completely missed me. I am not good at math. So I think what happened was um, I realized too that, you know, I met my best friend in ninth grade and she was very outgoing and bubbly. And she had this amazing way of, she could connect with anyone. I'm like, that's such a great skill to have. I don't know why I thought that, but it is such a great skill to have. If you can have a conversation with anyone and, you know, have the ability to be present and connect with them, that's a great life skill to have, but also a great human skill to have, to be able to do that. So when I started exploring that, I got more into the arts and, you know, I, I explored drama a lot more. Hence, you may see some dramatics in my podcast. That's all the actress within. And I think um, what happened as a result, um, you know, I went into college doing creative arts, which included journalism, performing arts. And also on the side of that, I started a little course at a station called Joy 94.9 called uh you know, a certificate three in radio broadcasting, which is kind of what got me into radio. And then from there, I realized, oh, wow, radio is just a platform that is great to share stories in such an intimate setting. Um, I was really, really scared the first time the microphone opened because unlike in theater where I was performing, I was playing a character, whereas on radio, I had to be myself. And it was a gay radio station. So I'm like, well, how can I be myself? I have to kind of come out this is daunting. So it was like a big kind of experience that I grew into, but literally Robbie, like from day one, I stumbled through this. Like I was making it up as I went and then down the track upon reflecting, I'm like, Oh, I see why this happened the way that it did. And, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, how Steve Jobs talks about joining the dots. You don't really think about it while you're doing it. But when you look back, you're like, okay, had this not had happened, I wouldn't have gotten here. And it may at the time seem like such an insignificant, you know, turning point, but it turns out to be quite a significant driver to get you where, you know, 
wearing a badge where I'm so proud to shine to what I'm doing now, Robbie, to having this conversation with you. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like um, being able to express yourself has been a, a, one of the through lines of, of who you are and how you show up in the world, being able to, to be understood. Um, does that resonate? Like that that's part of what you're, you've always been looking for? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the, the truth of how you show up and, you know, how you show up also in business, how you show up personally, I think the intent that you have behind what you do and how you leave people feeling is such an important part of, mm-hmm. of life, really, because, you know, my Angelou said people always remember, not they won't remember what you said, but they will remember how you feel. And I think over time, you know, that impact is what will create your legacy. Yeah, I find it so interesting that your ninth grader self recognized that your friend had an amazing skill <laughs> about like being able to be warm and bubbly and yeah. engage with all like you're like, wow, that's a cool thing to be. Like, I don't know how many people in ninth grade are aware of that. Um, I had that skill and I don't think I was aware of it in ninth grade that that was a thing. Um, that's really cool that you were aware okay. that that's something. And, and yeah. I also say, Jenny, that you knew that you could develop it. Like there's a, the learning seems to be all another through line I'm hearing. It's like this self-growth, like a willingness to, to be introspective and grow. Um, you're not stagnant. You're not staying in one place. And I feel like even where you are today, this is not a final position for you. This is still like one more pivot on a really long arc. Yo, thank you, Robbie. I didn't actually think of my life that way and I wasn't as reflective about it. But when I think what I noticed with, with um, Antoinette, who is my best friend still today, who had the, who was having these conversations with people, I was noticing how people were feeling around her. They were laughing a lot. Some of them were rolling their eyes because they're like, oh, here she goes again with her crazy stories or her crazy act ability or that impact to connect with people. I thought that's that's also something I think inherently as a as a 14 year old, I was like, I don't have that within me. I, I really don't. And then I think using that as an example, I'm like, no, I actually do. I can create this. You just have to learn to be present, connect with people, talk about whatever it may be. And I think for me, like I could talk to people all day, like literally, I'd love to hear your story, where you're from, you know, what makes you tick. And the learning part of it too, I think is an element of that, Robbie, because I do love learning about people. I'm fascinated by humans and, you know, how we're just one species, but we're the only, I guess, living animal, so quote unquote animal that has the ability lions and tigers, they'll walk down the street, they'll eat an animal or so they'll eat a human being and have no remorse over that because that's just who they are. Whereas humans have a choice in what mm-hmm. we do. So that's where the difference is, I think, in, in how we behave. And I just found, find it so fascinating that certain people mimic a certain behavior and they don't always, you know, it doesn't always quantify in the same result, but it quantifies in a similar result. And it's just all these things about human I'm, humans I'm fascinated about, I think, because that also probably was triggered from the fact that I was so different coming in. I'm like, okay, how can we all behave in a way or what does this all mean? So I think that yeah. curiosity was sparked because we did migrate. Yeah. <laughs> I was too. yeah, being aware of those differences and how groups form. Um, I actually am curious as you move through your career and you you decided to to leave, you know, this the confines and safety of you know a, a formal corporate job. And you're you know, because you you now seem like you're doing a lot of different things, all defined by you. Like what made you decide to do that as opposed to 
like you could be doing communication in-house for any number of companies that would be like thrilled to have someone like you like on their team. I think for me, when I finished college, Robbie, you know, I was, I finished college, but I was still doing the radio show on the side and I really, really loved doing the radio show. And I was actually working for free. So Joy 94.9 was primarily a volunteer-based radio station. There was only like seven paid staff members, but majority of people there worked for free. And I did my show for as long as time I was there for free. But the return of investment, if you want to call it an ROI, if you want to use that term, was the fact that you know, I was able to make connections. I was able to to have conversations with some of the most amazing personalities in the world. All these things, like you can't, put, it's not a quantifiable price tag that you could put on that. But also I was developing the skill to be able to network and reach out and, and you know, build those connections as well. And I think as a result of that, that's what kind of you know, propelled me to, to be where I am today. But as I was figuring that out, I knew, okay, I need to make an income. So that's why I went into my full-time work, which I started out working at a radio station based in Sydney, which is a different city to where I lived in, in Melbourne. And I was thrown into the sales department. Now I'm like, what am I doing in sales? But you know, I love that job. The flexibility of that job was great. And then I moved into account management, which I absolutely loathe. I loathed that experience because it just wasn't me. Like, you know, I didn't connect with that job. And that was the last, I guess, quote unquote, corporate job I had. I did the next full-time job I had was building airplane wings for the 787 Dreamliner plane for Boeing. That was a random like sidestep, but that was a job that allowed me to really figure out what I love because what I really did figure out is that job gave me a decent income I was able to clock on and clock off and not take work home with me. Obviously, Robbie, you know, if, if I took work home with me, you'd see like a seven, I couldn't take a plane home physically. You, I couldn't strap a wing to my car and drive home on the highway. Like, Hey, Ginny's here. Like that, there would, that there'd be certain authorities alerted if that be the case. But it also allowed me a platform to, I guess, figure out what I wanted to do. So in my lunch breaks, in my downtime, I was constantly looking Whatever I could get my hands on. And that's literally how Ginny Media was born. So while I was figuring out what I wanted to do, and that was to have that freedom to kind of wake up, go to a coffee shop and work from there or roll out of bed and be a pajama CEO for the day. I really, really enjoyed that freedom. And I really, really love the fact that, you know, I was able to be of service in some way, have conversations with people and build, you know, a business on the side of that. So what turned, what what was a side hustle accidentally led to a company, which, um, you know, now we produce, we've produced over 63 podcasts. Currently we produce over 30 on a weekly basis. So Again, this was all accidental. It's not what I intended, but in every moment leading up to this point, everything has been intentional momentarily. But the bigger picture was this is where I was going. Yeah. So how long ago did did Ginny Media get established? So officially Ginny Media was established in January 2018. So we're we're just under two years old. So wow. that was when I, I moved to New York in December 2017. Yeah. I had five clients. And yeah. this is the first time that I allowed myself to move into a space where I could go all in on my side hustle. And that's how the business scaled to the level that it has now, because I've gone all in on what I thought was a side hustle, which is, no, this is my main thing. This is what I want to do. And had I had been a little bit more self-aware in my 20s, 
to know that in spite of what was going on in my life, I would always end up doing radio for free. That was my passion. That's what I wanted to do. But I was too busy trying to figure out, do I want to do a corporate job and still do this on the side or can I make this what I do all the time? So yeah, that's kind of what happened. (laughs) I want to actually hear then about um, how your network helped you do that because that's only, like you said, it's been not even two years uh, as we're recording this. Um, And, you know, you were fairly newly to New York City, which is a a big city. Um, So yet yet another continent for you (laughs) to like find yourself on. (laughs) Um, But it sounds like at the point that you were deciding to make this maybe into an actual business as opposed to like, a big side hustle, you'd already established quite a network. Like you were not by yourself dreaming this up. Is that right? Yeah. Like I was, I, I had, a, I had five clients moving to New York. Three of them were New York based. Two of them were in the States. So they were all US based clients. I moved to New York for two reasons. One, because podcasting is booming here and that's where my clients were based. And the second reason was I fell in love with the city back in 2011. And then a few years later, I fell in love with a New Yorker. So it was like, okay, well, I've got the city I love and the person I love is in the city I love. This is fantastic. So that's the reason why I moved over. But the the contacts that I had, it did help me in Australia to kind of put together a portfolio to also one, get my visa. But secondly, our business, Robbie, 95% of Ginny Media's business growth has been purely referrals. Um, We don't really have a lead um, magnet system. I mean, we do have webinars and, you know, podcasting lessons that we give for free and free stuff that we give away. But in terms of monetizing that, that hasn't been the case. It's what's resulted in clientele for us. It's purely been word of mouth. And for me, that's indicative of, you know, I think that's the highest compliment a client can give you if they refer you to someone that they care about and trust you to do the same that you do for them. So um, that's kind of what's happened. I think the networks help. And I think also how you show up, like we were talking about before, how you show up to each client, how you present yourself, the experience you give them. One thing I'm 150% really passionate about is customer service. And, you know, at Ginny Media, I always tell my team, let's aim for the acceptance average, which is still pretty good. Um, So customer service is one of the things, I don't know if it's growing up in Australia and having that background of Sri Lankan where everything's about eat, eat, let's take care of you and that kind of thing. But really customer service and being there and giving people that space to be heard and, and, you know, be listened to is something I'm a hundred percent passionate about. I wonder then was, was one of the challenges as you company grew uh, particularly as it grew beyond just being you, because I imagine it's not just you juggling. You have thirty current and concurrent shows that you're producing. Was it hard to find a team that had the same DNA as you around customer service? Is that one of your challenges? It actually, it's interesting, Robbie, because I, as I said, I was kind of stumbling through this, and as as we were growing, the one thing that I realized was, okay, I've got to scale me. I've got to scale me and my my personality and expectations and mindset or whatnot. I also have to scale the processes that I have so it can be managed at a, at a scalable level, so to speak. Um, so what happened was like, I tend to look for, I kind of, I, when I'm hiring people, I look for EQ over 
you. And that sounds kind of strange sometimes when I tell people that obviously if I'm hiring you to be an audio editor, yes, you need to have audio editing skills. That's not I'm concerned about like, you know, what do you define as an exceptional customer service experience? What's an experience that you've had? What's an experience that you've given or participated in? And what's a not so good experience that you have? And from there, I can kind of gauge this person has an idea of what the standards are. But also um, over time, you know, as a leader, you've got to take that accountability of, when you do scale a business, I think a lot of mistakes leaders make is, okay, here's the process, off you go. And, you know, you kind of, and that does work for some people as they stumble through and figure it out. But you also do need to keep your team aligned to your vision. And that's only going to come with, you know, contact hours. You've got to, especially in a, in a freelancer environment that we're going into um, as a workforce, having these Zoom calls face-to-face, having weekly alignment meetings, doing the things that, you know, your team can learn about you more and connect with each other more. That's a huge thing because if I'm preaching customer service, connection, conversation and empathy, and I'm expecting that of my team to deliver to my clients, I've got to be the same way to them. I've got to show up in the same way to them. And I think that's a big mistake leaders make where they hold a different set of uh, rules for how clients should be treated and they treat their team differently. It doesn't really trickle down the way that you want to when you do it that way. Yeah, yeah. What what were some of the other challenges that you were experiencing as this morphed into an actual business? Like was there was there a little bit of a mindset shift too because you suddenly had to think of yourself as the as I guess the CEO type person, not just a a doer, but the person who was sort of overseeing everyone else getting things done? Definitely. One of the biggest challenges I had, Robbie, was getting away from working. I mean, this, there's that quote you the business to working on the business or whatever it may be. My biggest challenge was, you know, what do I actually want to do with Ginny Media? And like I said before, a lot of my processes have been stumbling and then I figure it out. But one of the things I realized was that, you know, I want to empower a team that, you know, yes, one of the the goals or the results that we want to achieve is to be a really a power podcast production agency. That's what we want to be. But however, what's the culture we want to create? What's the vision that we have as a team? And those are the things that I love instilling in people. You know, if we can make people feel safe emotionally and physically, even though we, I don't physically see them, if we can hold a space to hold conversations that are honest and open, um, these are the things I really need to think about. And in my personal development and learning, I really do think about, you know, how can I hold spaces for my team to communicate? to me, honestly, because the only way I'm going to grow as a leader, therefore grow the company. And the only way I'm going to get my team to grow and be empowered to make the choices. If we have this kind of cone of a safe space to be able to express this. So the biggest thing for me, Robbie, in like how I had to adjust was really refining my ego and being open Uh to more humility, being open to learning more about myself and also being like, what can I do for my team? Because I know if they feel safe working for Ginny Media, they feel safe approaching me about things. I know if we keep that communication line going in a very safe and productive way, we're going to achieve great things together because we've got that trust in each other. So I hope that answers your question. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, it really does quite thoroughly. And thank you for that. I think, you know, it shows that, um, Going from the person just sort of doing things to, to building a team puts a lot of a lot of additional thought has to go into it. I, I'm actually now wondering about 
how you've been nurturing the extended network that you have. I, I know that over, you know, over the last decade plus, you have had a lot of different jobs. You've lived in a lot of different countries. You've um, developed a global network um, through podcasting, uh, through conferences, I imagine. So not, I, I know that you must have that like inner circle of people that you keep in touch with, but I'm curious, how do you nurture and sustain the connections with your second and third sort of tiers out? Like the people that you might only see once a year at a conference or that you worked with five years ago, but you're not currently working with them. Like, do you have any habits or practices or philosophies that help you nurture and sustain your sort of broader professional network? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, um, as a result of living on multiple continents and also kind of stumbling into entrepreneurship and running a company, a lot of my clients have also become my friends as well. So, you know, there are clients that I see once a year, some some clients I've, I haven't met yet, but there are some clients that I do see face-to-face. So there is that friendship that we do form outside of the professional capacity that we have. So, you know, I also, I really love the fact that some of my clients I haven't met, but, you know, I, I try to, for example, if they're offering a course that they're putting out, I try to participate in their their products or invest in mine. So they invest in my services for podcast production, but I also want to seem like, uh, not seem like, I also want to intentionally you know, pay it forward and and do the the same for them. So I think it's important too is that, you know, your clients or, you know, your extended networks that I think the the philosophy or the one philosophy that I do share, and I know Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this, is care. And that sounds so simple, but for some people they struggle to understand what that actually looks like. And that is because they've probably grown up in an environment where they don't know what caring looks like or a healthy way of caring looks like. But also just caring about what your network does. You know, it could be as simple as how they are what they're working on, what they're doing. Um, I am the kind of person, you know, even in my friendship group or my inner circle, we have conversations on a level that are beyond service. We go straight into the deep stuff. You know, my best friends back in Australia and even my friends here, like it's like having a mastermind when we catch up. We just catch up. We talk about like, you know, our rawest feelings and then we we kind of walk away and we keep coming back to this this kind of feeling of how can we support and empower each other. So, you know, it, it's also not everyone wants to be real like that, um, Robbie. You know, not everyone wants to have those real conversations. So that's also been a challenge. It's like, all right, I get it. I'm not your cup of tea. That's totally fine. Um, but also another way that I, I think is important to, you know, nurture your network is I actually, and this sounds geeky, but I think how you measure your time is is how you kind of measure and, and value everything else in your life because time amplifies everything. You know, it amplifies what you're doing, what you're not doing, what you're doing productively, what you're not, what you're putting your energy into and what you're not. So where my time goes is where my energy goes. So I make sure that I allocate time every day to connect with someone in my network. So I could literally allocate half an hour a day to make sure, okay, I'm checking in with my inner peeps. Are they good? I'm going to check in with my clients. Are they good? Um, I have calls with people. I have accountability partners. So different people may not want like a traditional friendship with you. And I use that in quote unquote, but some people may want to check in with you. Some people may want you to lift them up. But again, it starts with the fact of how can you connect with people? How can you be of service to them? I think they're kind of a couple of hacks and philosophies that I have there, Robbie. I love it. And I love that you're you're not just saying that caring is something that we should do, but you're also creating some practicality around it by saying, 
I'm going to carve out 30 minutes a day to make sure like to, to do a little scan of, you know, who haven't you reached out to in a little while, who's got something going on in their life right now, good or bad, and then reaching out. I was just actually, uh, I do a weekly email as the introduction to this podcast as well. And a few uh, weeks ago, I was talking about how we can learn about something on LinkedIn or Facebook, but instead of just doing the like auto message, you know, congrats on your new job, like how do you take it to a one-to-one that seems more personalized and invites them to then reach out at some point? You know, it's like, congrats, what a great fit. They're so lucky to have you. Like love to catch up when you're, you know, less busy. Um, Or birthday greetings. I've now taken to doing them always one-to-one and not on a wall. You know, texting if I know their number, Facebook message otherwise, like a special note to them, look at their wall, see what's going on in their life. Like, it's funny how it doesn't take a tremendous amount of time, but the feedback I'm getting from people is just like, they're like, wow, thank you so much. You know, it's like, they're like, oh, you know, you could have like 200 comments on your wall, but the five people who bothered to text you, you know, like, like that feels huge. I don't know. My mother could respond to my wall I and mean, I wouldn't know that, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> it's, it sounds like you're just, you're, you're creating sort of an intentionality. You're building in a process and that others listening can do that. Like just, you know, but I guess my question is, do you have anything that tells you who to look for? Like, are you scanning through a list of current and past clients? Are you looking at, you know, do you have a list of people that you want to stay in touch with throughout the year? Like what's, what's that part been like? I think for me, I don't have any kind of systematic process where I have a list of clients. When I was doing that account management job that I didn't like one of the things that leaders made us do was keep this diary of, you know, you have to have five meetings a week with your prospects or your, your clients. And I'm like, okay, I get that you want us to go out and spend on the company card, but can't deeper connections be made through a phone call that saves both time, money, and, you know, ensures a deeper connection. But anyway, it's process, Robbie. But what I do do is, um, and one thing that I want to get better at is I do comment on people podcasting journeys a lot. Um, you know, when people on Instagram, I do search for the hashtag podcasting and I comment and congratulate them. It's not that I want, um, it's not that I'm doing that for lead generation, but you know, the more podcasts that get created, obviously that's a way that I, for me, it's a data point in how people are doing it. And also a way that I can watch what they do to see what they need in, in, in the podcast production process that you know, something that we can implement in Ginny Media to provide value to our clientele. So uh, that's something that I do strategically where I hashtag podcasting and I, I, I look it up in LinkedIn, I look it up in Instagram. That's probably a very loose process that I have. But in my additional clients, like, you know, when I hear that, I make sure I text them, hey, heard you're on well, are you okay? And it's not because like I want the audio files, but I actually generally do want to make sure they're okay. Because if you're ill enough to be out for a week or two to not produce a podcast, clearly you're very sick. So um, I don't. I'm, I'm kind of a little bit more instinctual, I guess, in my process of how I interact with the, with my network. But um, you know, next year I, I was putting together my goals for 2020, and that's something that I want to do more of. I think I've been behind my screen a lot the past two years building this company, and you know, I want to get out there more and do what I love most, which is having conversations, connecting with people. So that's something that I am looking to do more of. And and you know, maybe Robbie, when we have this conversation this time next year, I'll give you like a 10 point 
bullet yeah. process of this is how Ginny Neck works. <laughs> so, so Ginny, though, does that mean that there are some gatherings on the horizon then, some in-person connection that you're planning for 2020? Um, I recently in, in, invested into a podcast studio here in New York, which I, I, I co, co-own with two other people. And I just think like, the, I love the fact that, you know, when the business started out, I was the one giving tours and I loved hearing about people's journey. But the most fascinating thing for me is when people come into the podcast studio and they're like, I'm so nervous about doing a podcast and they're three seasons in and they're just like such a pro. The growth you see in their confidence and how they speak to people and how they connect to people, like that is something pretty effing special um, to do. So that's something that I, I want to kind of co-create more of. So yeah, I think next year, definitely some events I'd love to create. Like I'd also love to connect um, the people in network because I think you know, you, when you connect people in your circle, like there's so much value that you can give people. And also there's so many ways that we can help each other out and, um, you know, provide value to each other. So yeah, definitely 2020, Robbie. There's some uh, events I'll be planning and I'd love for you to come too. That's awesome. So I actually get down to New York a few times a year because still a family in the area. And every time I'm down there, I organize a dinner or a brunch or sometimes both, depending on the, how my weekend is going. Um, yeah, and I was just there like a month ago and I, I did a dinner and a brunch the same weekend with like 10 people coming to each of them. Because like, I love, I mean, this is sort of my, my superpower is probably convening people in a way that makes them feel like they can show up and, and be themselves. But I want to just encourage you to do that because you're in a great space in New York to do that. And you know a lot of yeah. good people. I imagine that's a, it's a huge value, like you said, to have them introduced to each other. So my favorite question as we wrap up um, is actually more of this sort of thread, which is, you know, if we're connecting a year from now, which which I, you're on my New York list, so we will be connecting. Um, and we're celebrating all of your successes from the last year. If we're looking back and toasting everything that you accomplished, I, I'd love to hear what it is you're looking forward to the most in the year ahead. What, what are those things going to be that we're going to be celebrating? Um, are we thinking like actionable goals? Or are you thinking like things that... I've achieved. However, what are you What are you looking for, Robbie? However, you answer? want to answer it. It could be a personal, professional. Yeah. <laughs> One of my personal goals is to, and I know some. I say this to people sometimes, and I, I said this recently, and people are like, "What?" I actually want to be a better communicator, and people are like, "What?" And I'm like, "This." Let me refrain this. I want to learn how to express myself in a way that's assertive yet kind. I've experienced certain things, you know, running my own business and having business meetings and obviously co-owning a business as well, where people respond to me when I am a certain way, like not when I am who I am. So how can I be who I am, be aligned with who that is, but yet be assertive, yet kind and compassionate and, you know, truthful in my communication? Because sometimes I, I don't get responses or, you know, I don't get responses from people unless I speak aggressively. I'm not an aggressive person. And I think the one thing I really want to celebrate is how much more kinder I can be, how much more loving I can be in, in how I thought and how I can be a way that, how I can be a better leader in the way that I can serve the growth of my team. Um, and that's kind of what I'm focusing on 2020. I really want to empower my team to be the leaders of their in department. So when I have meetings with them, I don't call them, hey, this is just a one-on-one. -on -one. I call it a leadership meeting because I make it clear this is who you are. So I think if we're going to toast to something for next year, Robbie, it's you know creating more leaders next year, more compassionate, empathetic, and service-driven leaders, but also 
creating a little bit more joy in the world. And I think when there's more joy in the world, there's a lot more happiness everywhere. And it all starts with you, as cheesy as that sounds. So that's always been a goal of mine, to be a little bit more joyful every year and to, you know, spread that across as many people and individuals and souls that we can. So whatever we can do to achieve that, Robbie. um, Wow. Cheers to all of that. That sounds amazing. I love how introspective you are, your, your learning and growth mindset that you have. Um, it's really, it's inspiring. And I think a lot of people listening can start thinking about how it applies to their own life and how they can have the same sort of attitude, positive attitude about what they can do to build a better world, bring more joy to themselves and others. So, so Ginny, how can people find you and follow your work? You can find me at Ginny Media, which is GinnyMedia.com. And we're available on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Ginny Media. There's also, um, you know, on our website, if you go to our contact form, all the emails come through to me. So I'm the one who responds. If you have any questions on podcasting, or if you just want to say hello and connect, I'm all for that. Please do drop me a line. I'd be delighted to hear from you. Fantastic. We'll have all those links in the show notes at OnTheSchmooze.com. Ginny, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Robert, thanks for having me schmooze with you. This has been awesome. (laughs) And I think I called you Robert, which is probably very formal for this line of conversation. Well, my full name is actually Robinson. So those (laughs) who stick around long enough to hear this part of it are going to learn something new about me. (laughs) Thanks, Ginny. (laughs) Thank you, Robinson. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ginny. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 175. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources of today's show, as well as over 170 archived episodes on this Pinterest-inspired page. Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. Is 2020 your year for business growth? I've got room in my schedule for one or two more private coaching clients. Email me at Robbie at RobbieSimuels.com to start or continue a conversation about working together. These long-term engagements give you the opportunity to get the support and guidance you need to move to the next level without wasting time trying to figure everything out yourself. If you enjoyed this episode with Ginny, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I would love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on the way to becoming a successful leader. Until then, have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.